You've said it all. Hi, Carrie. Hello. Welcome to the Backpack Show, everyone. The show where we bring you success insights from unusual places. We do indeed. We do indeed. It's Monday. It's Monday, June 21st. We're back at it again. Forgot until you said that. One of the last few weeks of doing Backpack After Dark before we go back to Backpack During the Day. That is right. Starting July 12th, we'll be back at 10 a.m. Eastern. So we will once again be a morning show. I wonder if we could get Stubble Judge himself to make us a new intro. And if so, I wonder who we want to add to the intro. I wonder oh. if people here who have had particular favorite guests or not would say, hey, put this person in our little intro clip. That'd be kind of fun. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking it'd be cool to have a bunch of really visually interesting ones like Sylvan Helene with all the, the tattoos oh. and Una the Mermaid, like with her whole, she came, remember she had her whole, like she was all merpersoned out and stuff. Mistress Harley. Dad, hey, Dad. Just Harley. I forgot about her. She'd be a grand introduction to that whole story. So what, what I loved about Mistress Harley, though, is she was like, hey, so I'll wear a big unicorn onesie or whatever I want. And if they don't like it, tough. Because <laughs> right. she, she was a financial dominatrix. So it was like, you're a bad person. Give me your credit card number. And they're like, okay. And there was the money. Hey. Hello, it's my mom as well. So who is our interesting guest added to the Backpack Pantheon tonight, Carrie? In the Pantheon tonight is Dr. Valerie Rain. She's a psychologist and women's mental health expert who discovered patriarchy stress disorder and created the only science-backed system for helping women achieve success, happiness, and fulfillment by healing the intergenerational trauma of oppression. So it turns out there's a whole lot of us dealing, not dealing with trauma that we've had in our lives and we don't even realize it's affecting us and our health and we just generally feel kind of boxed in by our lives so we're going to learn how to get out of our self-imposed self-created prison welcome to the backpack show with your host chris brogan and carrie gargone Every single time that plays. As part of the patriarchy, are you ready for this? <laughs> oh, hey, you know, it's probably something I did. That's what I've come to learn. But what I probably. figure is, uh, I think there's a lot to learn anyway. And I think that, you know, one of the things we've brought to making this show was we wanted many more female guests. We wanted many more LGBTQ plus guests. We wanted many more BIPOC guests. So the idea that this is just a, yet another way that we can connect with people and find a, a new opportunity to educate you and put some new tools in your own backpack is uh, it's a win for me. I'm here to listen and learn. I'm We recognize ally. that women's voices need to be heard. Oh, for gosh sake, stop talking. Let the woman speak. We even have a graphic just for that. We do, we do. That's just to remind me to shut up. So we need to grab our new friend, Dr. Valerie Rain, and ask her tons of questions. We do. Dr. Valerie, welcome to the show. Oh, it's so good to be here. I'm cracking up backstage. I like it. Well, good. Then we've done our job's over. We're done. Everything's (laughs) fine. You have uh, discovered this disorder, patriarchy stress disorder, if I said it right. Uh, how did this come about? What's the, what's the, how does one discover a disorder? I did not set out to discover a disorder. I actually set out to discover what's wrong with me, me personally. And I've been on that journey probably since I was very, very little. 
And I kept getting these messages like, don't be so, people don't like that. Or don't act so smart. No one would want to marry you. Oh, go easy on dessert. You're going to get fat. Or, you know, you're getting so skinny. You should eat something. So obviously something was very wrong with me. I just couldn't get it right. And to figure out what that was and fix it for good, I went on to study psychology. And then two graduate degrees later, yes, I was that <laughs> hard of a case. I was living the life of my dreams. I had really everything I ever wanted. I love my work. I had a thriving practice in New York. I uh, married a good guy, had a wonderful daughter, bought a nice home in the suburbs. And one day I was on the phone with a client when I noticed I was smiling only with the right side of my face and the left side of my face just hung in there as did my left arm. And I ended up in the ER with symptoms that mimicked the symptoms of a stroke. And thankfully, after scanning me up and down for hours, they returned with an official diagnosis that was just stress, just stress. And that really puzzled me because I actually did not feel stressed. I felt exactly the same way I felt probably since I was a little girl, just doing my thing. And so that led me to a series of very uncomfortable questions. First, how come I was so stressed that my half of my body shut down and I wasn't aware of it, what was creating this stress? And also, you know, working with clients, I was seeing them get get caught in, uh, in stress and workaholism. And ultimately what that was hiding was that they were not fully happy and fulfilled. And that was my uncomfortable moment to face that underneath it all, uh, looking so good on paper, I not feel happy and fulfilled. And I was like, oh, shit. I had done everything I knew how to do uh, in addition to checking off the boxes of what I was supposed to have to be happy. I was also had spent years in therapy and read every self-help book I could get my hands on and lots of personal development workshops and seminars. I was a yoga teacher and still I wasn't, I wasn't feeling good in my own skin. So thankfully my own clients had the key to understanding what that was that I was doing for them that I wasn't doing for me. And with all of my clients, I was using mind-body trauma healing tools, even though they didn't have any big life-threatening experiences that they would have described as traumatic. But they all Right, they that thought they trauma. didn't. They thought they didn't. <laughs> they thought they didn't. And I thought I didn't. That's why I didn't use these tools um, on myself, didn't have anybody working with me th with these tools. And so then I got really curious, okay, maybe there is some kind of trauma we're not even looking for that is very common. And research in epigenetics was coming out and I was just seeing it left and right. And it was showing that traumatic experiences are genetically transmitted. And that was that light bulb mo moment Women have been oppressed for thousands of years. Oppression is traumatic. Trauma is genetically transmitted. And that was the download, the discovery of patriarchy stress disorder or PSD, which actually finally answered the question of what's wrong with me. And the answer was 
surprisingly to some people, nothing. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with me. Uh, there was nothing wrong with my clients or, you know, most other people I know. Maybe not all. <laughs> well, uh, when you're saying like something wrong with you, it's uh, like you're thinking of something bad being done to you, right? Some kind yeah. of one isolated traumatic event versus a systemic depression. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's a great point. That's what we're looking for usually when we're hearing about trauma. We're like, well, I wasn't in combat. Like I wasn't like I didn't go through any life threatening experiences. So I must not have trauma. And um, actually, that's that's pretty outdated thinking. I mean, the conventional definition of American Psychological Association is still that. But thankfully, they've broadened the definition of trauma since um, other voices in the field. And they talk about, you know, they talk about adverse childhood experiences as being traumatic because they are, right? I mean, if, um, if we are, you know, uh, neglected or our parents are, you know, abusing substances or like all sorts of things happen that affect us in the, in the long run. But the contribution of of intergenerational trauma, bringing that understanding into, into, the, into the game was really pivotal because there, it's not just what happened to us in this lifetime, it's also what we inherited. And we may not know these stories. I mean, we can talk about systemic oppression. Okay, that we, we know women have been oppressed, people of color, indigenous people have been oppressed. We can understand these, that big picture, but also stuff that happened to our parents, grandparents, we may not know these stories, but they still affect us. There's That's actually always that the case, thing. right? Like they have whole yeah. programs, like if your parents or grandparents were alcoholics or something, it affects you still, like your attachment yeah. systems yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And here we're talking about something that you didn't even experience at all firsthand. Like they did this study that is completely fascinating and it actually shows how intergenerational, intergenerational trauma is transmitted. In this study, they introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to mice while simultaneously zapping their feet with mild electric shocks. These mice were then bred and their children and their grandchildren, when exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms, showed a strong fear and anxiety reaction. Okay? And that's a big one. As for all we know, mice don't sit around the fire telling stories to their grandkids, you know, watch out for them cherry blossoms. You're going to get hurt. And yet it was genetically transmitted, those reactions that caused them to recoil every time they smell cherry blossoms. So this is how PSD actually operates. PSD is women fearing the smell of cherry blossoms. For us, what are cherry blossoms? Everything that we deeply authentically desire that has been prohibited and punishable for women under patriarchy. Loving who we love, making our own money, even having ownership of our bodies, our sexuality, our expression, our, did I say money? Money, making lots of money. All of that feels profoundly unsafe. Not up here. We don't go around thinking it's unsafe for me to make money in most cases. But it's our subconscious Joseph. that carries that programming. Joseph Jaffe is trying to make me some money right now. 
talking about backpack <laughs> coin in the comments. Thanks, That's Joseph. For cryptocurrency. Leslie well, says you. it's huge to understand not comparing your traumas to other people and trying to make yourself yeah. believe it's not that bad in relation, but your trauma is still yes. valid for you and therefore oh, yeah. important. That's a great point. Oh, 100, 100%, Leslie. And and um, especially women. Well, I'm going to sp say especially women because I have data on women because I know women better. Uh, we're so good at dismissing our own you know, our own stuff. It's not that bad. You know, I didn't want to have sex with him, but it wasn't really a rape, right? Like, mm, yeah, it, it's loaded. There's a lot of stuff that we've dismissed, repressed. And even without unpacking everything, we can just safely assume that if we're human, we have trauma, even if not from this lifetime, although we, 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 life is a pokey place. We, we do all experience some, some things that cause some trauma reactions, but you know, we've inherited a ton of stuff so we can all benefit from learning about it, how it works. And ultimately it's all healable and not only trauma is genetically transmitted, but it's always healing, which is very cool because we stand to interrupt it and uh, not pass it along to to our kids so is is the part of this where trauma is genetically transferred is that an already accepted given piece of yeah. information and you've added that to is. this this very specific piece of that is that how that works okay yeah exactly <sighs> so everyone basically gets trauma then for free not just women because you know it's true it's is genetics. So my so, mom had trauma, but I, I have my mom's genetics in me is kind of what yeah. you're saying. Yes. Absolutely, so yes. does that, does that diminish it in some way? Because if every single person is being treated for trauma, then mm. how does that, how does that, I guess it's sort of like when we have to now say phrases like neuronormative, if mm. everyone's trauma, you know, trauma based, <laughs> doesn't that change the way we look at it? Mm, yeah, and that's that's the brave new world that we're stepping into, accepting that maybe not everything has to be so black and white. Like up until here, like your suffering counts because it like falls and falls into some diagnostic category. Like, well, up until here, it's PTSD. You meet the criteria for PTSD. And here, you don't meet the criteria for PTSD. You still have trauma, but we have nothing for you because, right, it... It's not severe enough. And the truth is that, yeah, I mean, just like, and this is this is my opinion, just like, okay, um, a lot of us, well, I know I, I am into personal development, right? Just there is a lot, there is always a lot to learn. There is a lot we can expand into, get better at, or, or those who are into working out, that wouldn't be me, I wish I was. But we can, right, um, kind of improve our flexibility and strength. So is with trauma. Basically, these are things that live in our subconscious that limit our fullest authentic expression. Are we okay? Yeah. <laughs> For the most part. Can we do better? Yeah. How did they know it was genetic, though, Dr. Valerie? So, like, even mice have observable mm -hmm. outward yeah. signs of distress, is it possible yeah. that the younger generation witnessed that or did they isolate them or something? Yeah, they didn't know each other 
<laughs> the mice didn't, they didn't know they each didn't. other, they didn't <laughs> hang out at the same mouse bars or whatever, go to the same mouse colleges. Yeah, they, they did not grow up around each other. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was curious about that. Yeah, so you put, a, you put together... You put together a book for uh, Patriarchy Stress Disorder to start helping people figure it out. And uh, I wanted to hear about your ideas about how did how did this how, how did you structure the book? What did you put it together to, to do for people? And how does someone kind of put themselves through this process? Yeah, great. To start the very first takeaway, I'm going to just give it away. <laughs> and then you'll see if you want to read more is is the key takeaway that I want everybody to get out of the book is that it's not you, right? You're not the one, quote unquote, holding yourself back or quote unquote, getting in your own way that you're not broken. There is nothing to fix and there is something to heal. And after doing an overview of some studies, how we've come to understand about intergenerational trauma, I go into unpacking the five-stage system that we use in, um, in how we approach the healing journey. Uh, I call it the jailbreak system. Um, now it has the, that's the, that's what I call it in the book. Now it has evolved to the thriving method and it's the same. These are the same principles of how we start from awareness, understanding what trauma is, how it shows up, kind of waking up in prison waking up in prison and understanding that we didn't put ourselves there and it's made out of things that are actually supposed to keep us safe, those trauma adaptations that we keep um, or they show up in our mind, in our body, in our actions. So a lot of things that we try to address through mindset work or beating our body into submission one way or another um, or doing some kind of behavioral change around uh, addictive behaviors or self-sabotaging behaviors. They are actually trauma adaptations. Even anxiety, depression uh, often start out as trauma adaptations and then become their own thing. So we unpack those and then we talk about how to evolve these trauma adaptations. I call them prison guards in the system to bodyguards so that they still we still have things keeping us safe but they're not keeping us safe in a narrow perimeter of what we get to do and what we don't get to do, but they keep us safe on the journey of our fullest authentic expression. And then we go into tunnel digging, digging our way out of the prison. And that involves uncovering and healing layers of personal intergenerational collective traumas. And then finally we find ourselves out of the, the, the prison cell we are on the outside and you would think, okay, this is a happy ending, but it's actually just a beginning and it's, it's kind of disorienting because all of a sudden we don't have role models and we don't have a, a path. And, and this is where we start learning how to expand our capacity to be more, to have more, to experience more joy and in terms of contribution in the world and for women this is this is something that we really need to learn 
not just theoretically, but quite physically. It's a physical process. It's an energetic process because our channels for running joy, pleasure, and expansion have anything but they have withered over the time of very little use because we didn't have that opportunity <laughs> for hundreds and thousands of years. So if we don't use it, we lose them. They're like, they need to be brought back to, to life. So this may sound a little, you know, how does it exactly work? But I, I do talk about it in, in my book and it's pretty cool to see what actually happens in reality when we get on this journey and what becomes possible. Dr. Valerie Remain, stick around. We've got a bunch more questions for you, of course, and a lot more to dig into about the book, your life, business, and everything else. Hang on, we got a couple of ads to read. My love. We'll find out what this means, what this looks like for women in the workplace and with money and everything. That's right. Happy to see you here, Linda. Hey, if you want to go searching things hey. out, hey, <laughs> you want to go searching things out, you can search, but don't use Google. What are you, some kind of person from 2020? Go to presearch.com. You can use the coolest new decentralized search engine out there that gives you crypto coins. You can even stake, uh, which means show that you hold X number of coins, uh, various keywords for yourself. You don't even have to buy them. Talk about subverting the patriarchy. Give pre-search your time and attention, not the Googles. Hey. <laughs> not the Google. Hey. Want to run, run your own <laughs> video show? <laughs> I do. StreamYard. <laughs> Seabroken.me slash StreamYard. And then you can have Dr. Valerie Rain on your show too. See Brogan on stream here turns making a show into a real fun game. It's really easy. You can focus on the content and the guests and not have to worry about the mechanics of how it's going to work because it just works. Hey, um, if you wanted to see another show, there's a great show, 10 a.m. Uh, Central Time uh, on Thursdays, which is Deanna Shas's Intercultural Spark. Deanna does interviews with all kinds of people, very similar kinds of topics that we have here, uh, except done with uh, Deanna Shas's very own, very specific, unique energy. Uh, and also she does all kinds of other fun things inside the episodes. Always a joy to watch what Deanna comes over. So 10 a.m. Central is 11 a.m. Eastern. And it only took me like four years to learn that after I moved to Nashville. So. There you go. Now you know. Now I know. Hey, do you like podcasts? You I don't do. even have to look at us. You can get a podcast anywhere they're sold because of castos.com. That's our podcast host right there. They are like peas in a podcast. So go <laughs> anywhere you want to go. Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, anywhere you look for podcasts. Castos will get you there. Castos.com. Hey, would you like a dot online domain <laughs> like we do? <laughs> <laughs> this is why I tell you to do something at the beginning and you're like, no, psh, and then I you just know. forget. <laughs> this is the last, one, though. last one, everybody. Last ad. Um, last ad. And then we talked to Dr. get a Dr. dot online Rangers. domain. Go to cbrogan.me slash online and use the code Chris all caps to get a dot online domain for less than one dollar. One buckaroo. Hey, we did it. Grab Dr. Valerie rain back. Oh, Elizabeth has a question for Dr. Valerie. Do you find this common in certain cultures or across all cultures? I think patriarchy, stress disorder. Also, do you find this as a subconscious mind or can you change your thoughts and move beyond your space that one is hiding in? So can you kind of push yourself out of it? I think. Does that, what do you say, you Doc? I don't want to block you. I just want to say. <laughs> Great question, Elizabeth. Uh, in, in cultures affected by patriarchy, it shows up one way or another. Uh, there are cultural differences. I, I'm not an anthropologist. I haven't gone, gone around the globe studying 
the effects of patriarchy, but uh, it's an educated guess that everybody is affected, but in different ways, right? And um, subconscious, I so I'm so happy you asked that. From neuroscience, we we get that very mind blowing awareness now that our actions are decided in our subconscious. Our actions are decided in our subconscious. So all, all this chatter about our conscious mind, let's change our thoughts, change our life, not as relevant, actually, because no matter what your mind, conscious mind says, you're going to do what your subconscious wants you to do. And it's going to take you where it feels safe. And if expansion, money, intimacy, being visible, et cetera, doesn't feel safe, it's going to drive the bus the other way. So, or, or you, you, can, you can go there, you can make that conscious effort, you can uh, hail Mary your way through, but your nervous system is going to be constantly feeling unsafe and going into fight, flight, freeze response, right? And that's why we have, or one of the reasons why we, we have such a pandemic of burnout among high-achieving women. So, so glad you asked. And working with the subconscious involves, yeah, working with, with the mind and the body together. Do you think that the pandemic kind of brought that to a head for a lot of women or has it been just Ooh. a long time coming and we were always going to get there? Like, uh, Yeah, who, who, who's to say? What we do know, or at least the way I see it, is that what we used to tolerate became pretty intolerable during the pandemic. And it also brought up a lot of intergenerational trauma, a lot of survival programming got activated. And you remember all the empty shelves and no toilet paper. Uh, so our nervous systems have been running really, really hot. And for women, it also activated the trauma of having no choice. So many women left the workplace because they didn't have a choice. They needed to be home with the kids and take care of their homeschooling or virtual learning and take care of everybody's like emotional and psychological well-being, et cetera. And um, yeah, and coping has gone up for, for women, probably for, for everyone. I'm just, I have my eyes on women mostly uh, as we work with them. But coping has gone up with alcohol and food and <laughs> streaming shows and um, I don't know online shopping, all all that good stuff. Which is it did layer yeah. everything. It layered everything yeah. on top of you know you could maybe before compartmentalize work and then go home and deal with yeah. home, and it was a lot tidier. And now it's like everything's just all thrown in there. <laughs> and together. just inescapable. You like you're the same human <laughs> across the domains and you have the same stuff. Yeah. The, the lines definitely blurred and it's a so great what, opportunity to, to actually uh, look at, look at what has come up and, and, and heal it and, and shift it. Well, I was just reading that a lot of people, just women and men, but everyone is, is questioning kind of their career choices, whether their work is meaningful, yeah. whether the type of career they're in is the right one for them. And a lot of them are just going to leave their jobs. Like that's a bunch of people have said that as soon as they find yeah. the right other thing, some people have just rage quit straight up left. So <laughs> what does this look like for women? Not even just now, but because we're at a kind of yeah. a flashpoint, but in the mm -hmm. workplace. Yeah. Um, I recall a con conversation with the chief culture officer at um, a Fortune 500 company, and she said, I work with the smartest women on the planet, and they all have this 
And they all suffer from this. And her, what she was seeing is that women don't take risks because they're afraid of failing and they don't innovate as much as, you know, they could, or as, as much as, you know, their male counterparts do because of that risk of getting it wrong. Like men are not as afraid of getting it wrong. And it's, it's a generalization of course, but in terms of the numbers and that's one way that PSD holds women back. And also it takes a lot of energy to keep on kind of second guessing yourself. There is the imposter syndrome. There is that inner critic that's always yapping along. Just takes a lot of energy. All of those trauma adaptations, energy going up, anxiety, energy going down, and constant distractions when we're feeling unsafe or out of our comfort zone. It just takes a lot of our resources to manage that. And of course, it doesn't help that most company cultures are not, were created for men by men, and they're not multiculturally inclusive. They're not, I mean, they're doing their diversity, equity, inclusion things, but it's not actually becoming the, the culture, right? People are still not feeling safe psychologically. So, and it's, it's a lot to carry. So a question, if it's mostly genetic and if we can't do anything with our conscious mind, I'm left feeling like I don't know what I would be doing. Like I don't, I don't have a sense of now do this because you said, right. sorry, it's in you no matter what. Sorry, whatever you're thinking doesn't count. So now what? Yeah. And now we work with this, with uh, the most direct route, actually. We work with the body because the body is the most accurate history book on the planet. Even the stuff that we don't know consciously, the body never forgets, the body never lies. So we work with the actual expressions through the body. And uh, by finding where that trauma is, holding on, releasing it, moving that energy out, uh, processing it. Um, together with the mind and energy work. So mind, body, and energy working together. That's how we work with trauma. It's very, it's a very direct route. It's, it's a pretty fast route um, as compared to, you know, uh, old, old school going to therapy several times a week for, for years and years. And yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely healing. And um and pretty fast. We have amazing transformations happening in our community all the time. So I definitely don't want you to despair, Chris, or anyone watching. It's actually the solution is simpler. And I, I do share not only the system for um, that, that we use for healing, but also some starter tools everybody can start using right now in the book. And actually at this link that you're showing right now, Anyone can download the starter kit of play and to start playing with these tools. So I have a feeling that what you will say in response to our backpack question, what goes in your backpack for success? I have a guess, but I don't want to make it out loud. So I'm hoping that there's like a, not one thing obviously that solves everything, but like a first step in the process that sets you on the path to purge this cumulative trauma. So what's the first step? The first step is waking up in prison. That's what we're doing now. 
It's getting yourself off the hook that something is wrong with me and recognizing, like, if, if, if you know that the Maybelline jingle, maybe, maybe, maybe she's born with it, maybe it's Maybelline. Um, maybe, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's PSD, right? And that awareness alone goes a long way. So I'll definitely take it with me um, and sneak in a journal in there too. And a bottle of wine for good measure, if all else fails. <laughs> I like your list. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> First, I guess evidently we accidentally asked you the backpack question. So we'll have to remember those answers. Bottle of wine, something, some other stuff. <laughs> Unbelievable. I wasn't expecting it. I'm sharing away the Instagram. Are you like weren't listening? That's okay. Oh, because I have You're a like, little I listened to one here, answer and, and none of the others. And I was, and I was thinking three other more things here. So here we go. <laughs> oh, and here's our person of the day. Kaboom. Um, yeah, there's so many good ones. There's there so really many are. good ones today. Um, I feel like I gave it to Leslie fairly recently. You know who I'm going to give it to? I haven't, I haven't I sure seen, don't. I never do. You never do. No. I haven't seen Mia Jane around in a million years. So hi, Mia. Good to see you. Uh, by all means. That would be, uh, you're the winner of the person of the day. That means you're entitled to one free apple. Now, what you have to do is you just have to go out and buy yourself an apple and then clean it all up and then eat it. And what I would do is put it in a pie (laughs) then eat the pie. That's what I would do. Apple pie is definitely a great thing. So I missed it. I'm going to have to ask you to repeat it, uh, Dr. Rain, because I was like going through my little show flow. No, because nobody, you know, it wasn't the time we asked the question. I was doing my part of the job. So what goes in your backpack? What you said, a bottle of wine. That's all I heard. What else did you add? That's it. That, that's the contingency plan. Oh, that's if all, I want, it, all else fails. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll pack the awareness, pack the awareness of PSD and the awareness of working with the body and mind and energy, a journal nice. and my contingency bottle. Journals are very Journaling important. gets a lot more interesting if you have the wine first. That's yeah, I, I was actually reconsidering it even, even as I was speaking. Yeah, <laughs> totally on the same page, Carrie. <laughs> Sounds really good to me too. Well, here we go. I have to tell you one thing about this is that I think that the notion of you know women really coming to accept all the things that they've been subjugated by the patriarchy is really important. My grandmother most definitely uh, suffered from a lot of that in all reality. Uh, But she would definitely have benefited from some things in your book. The one thing I thought she most definitely would get out of 